What is up, folks? My name is Nick Tibuzek, and you are listening to the Strength and Skills podcast today. With me is my co-host, Rado the Boss Bossage. And today, we're going to talk about... Yes! Wow, what a flex. That flex. All right. I'm sorry for the Spotify people not being able to see this. Yeah, it was massive. Massive. Yeah, like like that guy on YouTube. This is how you get 100 girls on the beach. (laughs) Yes. All right. Um, Let's go into this. Um, We got to talk about hypertrophy because a lot of people really, really like to build some more muscle. And um, I absolutely get that point because the more muscle you make, the more you are stronger because you have just more possibilities to get stronger at that point because you have a more muscle mass. That's an easy one. And there comes the other point nobody likes to talk about, but we are all aware of it. We all love to look good. I do. You do. Rado does. Mm -hmm. We are all in this together. We love to look good. The girls and the men. So today we got to talk about how to build muscle in the end. And actually... I think the most important question here, what's the problem with building muscle in calisthenics? And I think we got to start over and explaining how actually hypertrophy does happen in your body. And um, this starts actually when we look at the key drivers. What are actually the key drivers for hypertrophy? Hypertrophy is in the end, the effect that happens when you when, when a muscle grows yeah it's just a sexy term for muscle building oh yeah we, we look at me i'm wearing my glasses i'm the professor today um professor uh, professor is back I'm, I'm the professor and um <laughs> we, we we're diving into science speech all right um, key drivers for hypertrophy in the end are pretty much how much you do, so the volume, um, the intensity, how hard it is what you do, because probably you, you probably know that when you are running, this is not really building your legs. So that's not of not not something that has a high intensity usually. Um, but you have a lot of volume, so it needs to be in the right context with the volume and the intensity. Um, and of course, what is very critical to see, but you got to have a calorie surplus, which means you got to eat a little bit more than you burn. So these three factors, volume, intensity, and calorie surplus are pretty much the key drivers for hypertrophy in the end. Of course, there comes in some more details and all that stuff, but these are the most important ones. If you keep them at least some kind of tra- in track, then you're pretty much very good to go with building some muscle, wherever you want to build the muscle. It, this is not important um, because this, this is, this is a, the, the key formula, the one and only, the magic pill. <laughs> For every muscle in the body, even your calves. Yeah, like uh, it's important to note that the body probably won't notice the difference between, you know, having the load from coming from something external and also moving your body weight. Uh, So the two things you mentioned, the volume and intensity, like you can draw the same principles from 
the weight training and apply them to calisthenics. But like where things become interesting is when you go into a caloric surplus to gain muscle, like obviously that immediately means you have an increase in body weight and the increase in body weight is going to ultimately directly affect your body weight performance. So it's something that should be accounted for and you should take it carefully because you absolutely don't want to like bulk up and gain a massive amount of weight in uh, a short amount of time because that's going to drastically affect how much you can actually perform when it comes to calisthenics and then your volume and your intensity might suffer because of that. And what is also to say here, um, when it comes to that, um, especially when you, when you look at the, the term of this calorie surplus, people misunderstand that to have like, I don't know, 500 calories more than you usually have. And it's not that you need that much. You usually can say, okay, let's have like 100 or 200 calories more, which is not a lot. That's a cookie. It's not a lot. It's not a lot on a daily basis. But when you look at the whole week, like if you were in a caloric surplus of 200 calories per week, it's like 1,040 in a whole week. Yeah. Um, 400, 1,400, I'm sorry. Um, which is, yeah, relatively, it's more than the 200 per day. Absolutely. And when you look at um, how much you need to gain one, one uh, kg of fat, that's pretty much, I think when I have that right in my mind, it's 7,000 calories for one kg of fat. And, um, um, when, when you look at that, that's something you reached pretty much after five to six weeks, somewhere there. Um, so you want to, in one and a half months, you would have gained one kg. And this is actually something that is, a rate of gain at that point which is okay if you have like a kg in the week we are in trouble <laughs> because you are turning fat not 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 very muscular and all that stuff so that that is very important to say here for the calorie surplus on the other hand what is also very important from my opinion right here is um And this comes with this calorie surplus thing, because when you are gaining so much, then you probably will feel very, very fat after like three months. And then you think, oh, I got fat. I got to diet back down. And then you come into this Jojo effect that you just um, gain, lose, gain, lose, gain, lose. But what we actually need for hypertrophy is phases like at least six months to, to 12 months where you actually are in a caloric surplus and in rep ranges to, uh, in, in the context of hypertrophy. This is, this is crucial to understand in the beginning. So if you plan to build muscle, plan for half a year or one year and afterwards. We can say, okay, we diet down now, put down the, I don't know, let it be 10 kg, <laughs> um, put it down during the next few, I don't know, eight, 10 weeks, because that's possible to lose in that time frame. So let's say you're going to lose 10 kg in the next three months, which is like 12 weeks or something like that. And um, that that's the phase that you think should think of. Um I see a lot of people who think, say, yeah, I do have a hypertrophy phase now, um, which is like, uh, I'm going to do a hypertrophy phase for two blocks now, which is eight weeks. 
guess what? You didn't build a lot of muscle during yeah. that time. Probably not, especially not when you're experienced. In the beginning, yes. In the beginning, everything works and everything happens all the time. But what is very, very important to understand here, the more experienced you are, the less muscle you probably will build. So you can usually say, um, I think they had this one study where they checked how much um, muscle you can actually gain during uh, a year. And for the experienced lifters, lean body mass, only muscle mass, the lean lifter, the experienced one is up to 400 grams. That's not a lot. When you are a beginner, they said it's up to four kg of muscle mass during one year. That's massive. Uh, there are different terms on that. If you are on rights, of course, but actually most of the people don't gain that much muscle mass during um, their training years, especially when you're already into this. So for me, as I'm a, I would say I'm an experienced lifter now. I'm not a pro or something. I'm, I'm an experienced lifter now after like pretty much eight years of, of lifting now. Um, I have that gain rate of maybe 400 grams per year because I'm most of the time in a caloric surplus, I train hard enough and all that stuff. Yes. But um, it, this is uh, it just, I, I wanted to tell you that because for me, it's always so important that people stay realistic with the stuff that they are doing. It's not that you're going to put up 10 kg of muscle mass on your frame in about a year or something. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry for de-illusioning. Uh, yeah, it's the harsh truth, but I think it's important that it's out there. Um, like to kind of piggyback on what you said, um, I think it's also important to embrace uh, the fluffiness that comes together with uh, caloric surplus, you know, with in calisthenics, especially um, you're just surrounded by everyone being shredded all the time, because obviously having less body fat helps you perform better in the calisthenics movement movements. And you don't want to obviously have too much fat because that's ultimately dead weight that doesn't bring you anything. Yeah. But once you are in a surplus and once you want to build muscle, some fat will come together with that. It's inevitable. If you follow the rate of gain that, that we said in the, in the, in a few minutes, a few minutes ago, you should be fine in terms of that, but you're still going to gain some fat. And I think like the breaking point for most people is just like going over this point and accepting that and not being afraid of losing the abs. For example, a lot of people are just afraid of losing the abs and being shredded um, not being shredded anymore. So just like accepting it, pushing through it and, um, having this like six month, six months of consistent, consistent work. I think, uh, it's really important to have that out there because, um, that long-term effect, it's a long-term effect rather than a short-term one. Yeah, absolutely. This is absolutely crucial. Thank you for, for, for bringing that in. This is important. Um, Another thing that where we have to go into detail with a little bit with that um, is when it comes to building muscle, people think of um, the classic bro split where you have like, I do arms on my, no, I'm, I'm sorry for making that mistake. I do chest. On oh, Monday. how dare you? How dare I? <laughs> I do chest on Monday. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. Let's say back on Tuesday, legs on uh, Friday, uh, on, on Wednesday, then I do 
shoulders on Thursday. What do I do on Friday? Um, did, you do, did you do your arms? I, 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 did I say arms? I, I do arms on Friday. All that stuff. <laughs> so everybody thinks of, okay, I, I got to do a split. Um, this, is, this is actually pretty old thinking. And yes, it does work, but there's a but to this. Um, you want to have something like a frequency of two in the week, which means this is very crucial to understand. You train a muscle two times a week. That's important. Yes, if your if your big goal is to build something very very big, you can also do it three times a week. I wouldn't do it four times a week or something, but um, there's a possibility of doing maybe let's say back two times a week and arms one time a week, so that you get a big big biceps because the biceps is also involved in pretty much every pulling um, and rowing movement that you are doing, um, of course, but. Um, I think the, the, the main message should be here. We need the frequency of two in the week to build a proper um, a proper muscle building stimulus here. So that, that works best from the view of studies. Yes, there are exceptions and it might work for some people in a different way. Yes, I've seen people who grow with less than that. I've seen people who grow with more than that and they grow better and it depends a little bit, but the answer is always, it depends. These are just classic um, infos that we have to uh, put in here as something. This is the general thing. And from here, we put in the individual thing after watching, okay, what happened during the last months how much did he grow with that frequency? How much did he grow with that volume, with that intensity and all that stuff? So um, this is super interesting because this is the general input that we're going to give you. The individual for you, we would have to find out in a coaching. This is what we do with our athletes usually in our coaching. Um, when, when, we, when we work with them, we find out what works best for them. You know, we start at the general and we find out what works best for them. And then um, we go on from there. That This is a very important one to say here because um, I can't even say how many sets should you do because that's in a range that also is very individual. I mean, Arado, do you, do you know your sets that work best for you right now? Do you have that in mind? Well, I'm not sure, but it's always more for the upper body and less for the lower body. Yeah. So you can see like there is within that individual, you have different rep, rep and set ranges yeah. for different different muscle groups. Yeah. Uh, so it's it just, as you said, really hard to tell. But I think like for the legs, I'm not mistaken. It's like something along 12 to 15 yeah. in a week. And then for the upper body, it's 20 plus. Yeah, but, so it's different there. It's super interesting because for you, I think we have, the, if I have that right in my mind, it's eight sets of squats during a week right now, plus some accessory work, which, so we, I think we come to a, a lower body pushing movements up to 15, something like that. that, that, that right in my mind. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then of course we have the uh, lower body pulling movements too. 
which is also for the legs, which is not to misunderstand for the um, listeners. Yeah. Um, I think we have something similar there too. Yeah, so, something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, so it, all in all, every muscle group is um, in the legs of you is pretty much hit 15 uh, sets during a week. Yeah. Yes, you can say so. Um, as far as I know, you are... Um, someone who who's who can tolerate a lot of, of of pulling movements not too much of the pushing that's super interesting mm. um which is very common actually i i'm i'm pretty much the same i see a lot of athletes who are pretty much the same so pulling is something a lot of people can tolerate a lot but this is um actually something vertical pulling a lot of people can tolerate more than than like vertical pushing yes But where you get the most volume in most of the times with the athletes is pretty much uh, very often in the horizontal rowing movements. This is where people really tolerate a lot of volume most of the time. This is super interesting because the lads, they can just absorb it. <laughs> super. Yeah. Um, what, what, what I personally see a lot at that point, this is a um, yeah maybe more detailed thing, but... Um, What we have to take care of is not killing the shoulder girdle of the people with too much volume on pulling and pushing because um, it will affect each other so much that you just can't. Maybe when you did too much pulling on the one day, then you have the next day you do some pushing and stuff like that. Um, you, you do have very commonly um, some issues on um, that because you're too, too tired in the shoulder girdle for that because it's the same muscles that stabilize the, the scapula at that point. And so um, we have to see that from a performance view too very often um, that we have to consider that stuff. But um, in the end, the frequency of two times a week is working a lot uh, for, for a lot of people. And um, this is super interesting. Um, what are your experiences with the rep ranges? Well, yeah, it's uh, in the past, it's been the classic like eight to 12 rep range for hypertrophy and like three sets of eight, three sets of 12, you know, whatever. Um, it's the best thing that you can do for muscle building. And then like over time, as you kind of get to know yourself, but uh, delve deeper into the topic, you realize that this rep range spectrum that you have for muscle building it's a lot more than what you anticipated you know so it went from being um eight to 12 to one to all the way to 40 you know um which is really interesting but i would say for me like personally i found that my body responds best in a rep range from around five to 15 Uh, because if I go any lower than five, then it's probably a bit too much intensity, which interferes directly with what I want to achieve uh, with the muscle building goal. And then if I go to a higher rep range, something like 30, um, it's not really efficient for me for from a time aspect, because I have to do 25 reps in order to reach a point of the last five being hard and thus have the same effect as with a heavy set of 12, for example. Yeah. You know, so I would say um, for myself, it's like five to 15. And I think that this is also like a general, good general guideline for most people because you have a nice and fine balance in between intensity and fatigue that you create uh, with a movement. Absolutely. This is 
I, I would go all the way with that, let's say. So um, when it comes to the rep ranges, you just talked about this um, intensity thing. And I think this is also a very important um, thing that we need to talk when it comes to hypertrophy. There are actually two main drivers that gives the right stimulus to the body, um, which are um, when, it, when it comes to that um, stimulus that the um, muscle cell has to, to get to actually do something about it that they got they they got a stimulus so um this is actually pretty much the, the mechanical stress which come most of the time with um higher intensities as you already said so that's most of the time maybe something with a very big load or um especially when it comes to weighted stuff of course with a big load but also with um when you do maybe when when a pike push up to you is very hard then of course you have the same thing here too yeah because you are maybe at the very beginning of your fitness journey um when 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 it is a handstand push up that might be it you know so um this can also be the high intensity that you need to have this mechanical stress now, of course, it can also be the pistol squat when you're doing only one or maybe like five of them and it's really, really hard for you. And it could also be the back squat where you have the weight on the shoulders, um, which give you, gives you the mechanical stress. So you probably got the um, intention that I have here now. Um, yes, a front lever and stuff like that can also be the mechanical stress at that point because it's so hard for you. Um, if you can hold it for like 20 seconds or something like that, it's probably not so much mechanical stress anymore to build muscle. It, but in the beginning, especially when it comes to, um, let's say, holding times up to from five to 10 seconds or something like that, that's probably the time that you would spend in, um, in a very hard and intensive set of pull-ups. Yeah, well, when you hold a, a front lever for five to 10 seconds, it's probably the same time under tension. So the muscle is under tension during that time and it's uh, under a big load for you. So you can't hold it longer than that. Um, so th that, that I, I would say that goes in, into the same direction when it comes to building muscle. Um, the only thing with that is when it comes to statics, it's probably not the best way when it really comes to mu uh, building muscle to do it with statics as statics do give a stimulus, but it's not exactly the thing where the muscle contracts over the full range of motion where we come back to later on how much full range of motion and all that stuff do you need. It gives a stimulus, but it's not the ideal stimulus, I would say, at that point. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, Did I forget? Yeah, something? with uh, with uh, mechanical tension, um, I think it might be also important to know that there are simply some exercises which are more geared towards that, and then other ones that are better suited for this uh, metabolic stress. Mm -hmm. Something like a back squat, like a heavy back squat, is probably more suited for this mechanical tension that you have because if you go up to Sets of 15 on the back squat, it's just too much fatigue for the body and just too big of a stimulus for the system. And then you just get more 
uh, of the negative sides rather than the benefits from the movement. So something like a heavy back squat, you would rather stay in this lower rep range. And that's, this would go um, also for like weighted stuff, weighted basics, like heavy pull-ups, heavy dips, and something like a bicep curl on rings. It's more suited for less intensity and more repetitions. So more this um, metabolic stress that you want to create with it um, rather than like going for a one rep max on a ring bicep curl. You know, you obviously don't have a lot from that. Absolutely. Um, and this leads us to the metabolic stress, which is yeah, the other factor that um, can help you building muscles, which is um, the difference is here. You don't have so much tension on the muscle, but you do that through metabolic um, stuff that happens in, in your muscle cell and the fibers and all that, um, where you just look for the blood rush. And this is... Um, super interesting because yes you do have a big blood rush when you do running but the stress here is so low on the intensity that you probably will not build a massive quad from that you know from from running but if you see the, this from the other side if you look at sprinters they do have more of a big leg which comes from the intensity that is involved in that too. And this is, let's say this is a hundred meter sprinter. Um, they have, when you, when you look at these guys, um, which are at Olympia, I mean, Houston Bolt is a very bad example because that guy is just lean and very skinny. But if you look at a lot of other sprinters, which are more the general population of sprinters, um, they usually have pretty thick legs. And this comes from, they have a, pretty much intensity plus a lot of reps on that leg. I mean, how many, how many steps do you take during a hundred meter run? Uh, let, let's say maybe 50 per leg. Can I say so? I, I have no idea, but it's probably more than 10. <laughs> so it's, it's more than 10. It's less than hundred. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you see at that point, the intensity always plays a role. But you got to keep in mind um, the metabolic stress, the pump that you have is extremely important. Because when, when, when you look at, at the training style that the old school bodybuilders had, people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, they, they had mostly the chase for the pump. And most bodybuilders do chase for the pump. They don't go into too heavy intensities most of the time. Of course, there are um, people who are doing it different because it's, there are always exceptions for the, for the general, you know. But um, the very important part here is to understand that we usually have like two main drivers for it. It's the mechanical stress and it's, it's the metabolic stress. And if we combine both, we have the perfect stimulus. And to find the perfect stimulus for the individual person in the end, you got to watch how they react on that. And this is super duper interesting. Um, I love that. I love to see how people, how do people react on that? Um, you see that in the end by the growth. 
that's it, you know. Um, how, how do people respond? And this is why this has to be observed over a longer period of time. This is why I said in the beginning, like six to 12 months, because that's the time frame where people actually grow. And when you observe it over that time, then you see, okay, that works for that person and that doesn't work for the person. So how many metabolic stress do we have to increase there or even lower? Or is there something that where we have to increase me uh, mechanical stress or all that stuff, you know? This is why we had so many episodes where we said, yes, we got to think a little bit more long-term when it comes to training. So uh, I talked so much about that topic now. Lado, there's probably something where you can say something about it too. No, I think, I think you rounded it up uh, quite nicely. And uh, if I said anything else, I think it would just be unnecessary. So I wouldn't add on anything. I think okay. that's a nice, nice roundup. Yes, that's well. All right. So to come to this um, lovely thing that we already mentioned, how do you think about full ROM? Yeah, my, I have mixed uh, feelings about that uh, because you have, you, you always have these two extremes as with anything, you know, there's team full range of motion, uh, people who just, you know, big proponents of, Uh, using full range of motion with every exercise possible. And then on the other side, you have people who are just like partial repetitions, almost like ego-driven repetitions are, are the best thing you can do for the muscle. And um, yeah, the, the truth is probably somewhere in between. And I am a fan of mixing both. And it also like for me comes up to the exercise that I'm doing, but also to the ind individual situation um, of a person. Like if someone isn't able to stabilize themselves in a certain range, like let's say, for example, a dip, uh, probably the best thing that you could do is do full range of motion because with, in that way, you know, you train the muscle uh, through the full range of motion, through its specific function, and thus gain the most benefits. But if someone isn't able to stabilize the shoulder joint in the bottom of the dip and just loses positioning completely because of lack of that stability, and po that poses a risk of, potentially getting injured, then I would probably tell that person a hey, cut off the range of motion, go to a depth where you feel safe and secure. And in that range, you try to progress and uh, in that way build muscle. So uh, it comes up to the individual situation, uh, but we also like shouldn't underestimate what each of these uh, do to the muscle, like full range of motion, just as I noted, it will train the muscle through its function fully and There have been like also newly studies which uh, propose that the stretch sensation of an exercise is probably a really, really important thing that uh, plays a big role when it comes to building muscle. So the stretch is important. And then on the other side with partial repetitions, what you can do wonderfully is just have this overload of the tissue, of the structure, and probably go more into the direction of mechanic mechanical tension. And in that way, gain the benefits out of it. Like something like, heavy rows tends to work a lot better than having uh, full focus, slow row, slow, slow uh, pace, concentrated rows. Uh, that's something that I found for myself. Like my back responds a lot better to heavy rowing with a lot of momentum, partial repetitions, rather than going to the other direction, having like full range of motion, feeling the stretch, feeling the contraction. So it also comes up to the exercise for me, for example. Absolutely. Um, do you... Would, would you would you say that if, if you are maybe shortcutting um, a range 
because of stability or for uh, the reason that you know it gives you the better stimulus. Um, would you would you say there is um, a very good way to compensate that as well afterwards? Uh, in what sense? Um, the thing where I want to want to go is um, maybe maybe you're not going that low on the dips. Yeah, and you have the mechanical stress now on it with on on the chest and on the triceps. You know, we, we got the right stimulus here. Um, would you add on other exercises to um, to to that to make sure we trained the muscle fully? Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, if you're restricted in a motion and you can't perform it fully because of the reasons we mentioned, I would like after that add on certain exercises like for example if a full range of motion push-up is possible that would add that add that in for the chest and then after that maybe something like a tricep extension so that we still train those two muscles through the full range of motion feel the stress sensation and also go more in the direction of metabolic stress then yeah absolutely yeah this is i think this is a very important one for for those who may think okay um but Do, do I miss out something? Uh, there are ways to, to just keep all this stuff together. I mean, um, li like you said, having the dips first and afterwards maybe some triceps extensions and something for the chest, which can be um, a, a push-up or maybe maybe some flies on the rings, stuff yeah. like that, Yeah, What, whatever you want to do there. Um, if, if, you, if you know what you want to hit, make sure to hit it from every angle yes and over the full rom yes i would say so um but it doesn't have to be that certain exercise you have the chance to to build up that stuff with several exercises why not this is even a a very very good way actually to do so so in the end we can profit from that a lot all right um The, the 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 issue that comes with that that I see a lot with that is um, to really know what you what you have to do here in especially when it comes to the exercise selections um, you need to have a very good knowledge of anatomics and of course the biomechanics and of course understanding biomechanics with your own body um which is a super duper interesting topic to me i love to talk about that um because this is where all that stuff comes to the point where it gets really 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 individual and very interesting for the for the one person so um i could say yes the dips Uh, the first exercise, and then we do something for the chest, maybe some flies and some some triceps extensions. But now there comes in the the super interesting stuff where we have to see okay what works best for the individual because otherwise they miss out on that because they didn't know what is best for them. So there are several ways to actually do a triceps extension. It could be the overhead triceps extension. It could be the diamond push-up. It could be maybe a bench dip. It could be like 
whatever else you want to do for the triceps, you know, it could also be some stuff that you do maybe with dumbbells um, to, to go a little bit away from calisthenics and do some, some isolation stuff with other machines and external weights and all that stuff for isolation it makes absolutely sense to do so. Um, but the super interesting part here is what do you want to hit? Because the triceps, you can hit very different um, with, from very different angles, different heads of the triceps you can hit. And it needs you, you need to know what hits the right one that really serves you. Because what is actually the, the weakness that I have in terms of, of aesthetics and, of course, uh, in terms of maybe also performance. And then the, the same comes in for also the chest. Because also in the chest, you have the upper part, you have the lower part. How do I hit what? What are the best, best exercises to actually hit um, this the best way? And there are so many possibilities to actually hit the, the muscle from the right angle to make it grow the best way. So this is where you can go super detailed and you, you have to know all the bio biomechanics and all the anatomics for yourself at that point. And um, this, this is why I feel so, so yeah, it's, it's super, super interesting to me to see how one reacts on what exercise, how does it, does he feel? Because I see some stuff that works so amazing with Rado um, when, when, when I look at, at how, how he grows at certain body parts and what works so good and what doesn't work that good. And so that, that is super interesting to me with every athlete that we actually have. Um, yeah. Did I forget something? No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I agree completely with everything you said. Um, this knowledge of biomechanics and anatomy is really important um, when it comes to hitting specific um, things and knowing the details. I think like why this question is always asked, like, can you build muscle with calisthenics is people realized, yes, it is possible, but it's harder. It's more difficult compared to weight training and machine training. Because when you look at it, weight training and machine training is pretty straightforward. It's like almost like straight motions from A to B, you know, especially something like a machine. It's directly targeted with this motion to target the specific muscle groups. But with calisthenics motions, it's like so much open space and free space to compensate and to do a motion differently. And if you do a little detail in a different fashion than before, it can completely change up the motion you know, and completely change the target muscles. Like something like elbow placement in the pull-up can play a big role whether or not you hit the lats properly, you know, or scapular placement, you know. So there's so much free space and um, you can compensate in a lot of ways. And that's why it's really hard to kind of stay strict with calisthenics. And unless you have the general knowledge and really delve deeper into details in these topics, it can be really hard and struggle. you can struggle with it um, to achieve higher levels of muscle mass because, because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, this is this is actually the, the the problem that we solve a lot with the with the people that work with us that with, with us because they they have restricted um, equipment or decided I want to do the calisthenics stuff, but I also want to build some muscle and and they come to us because um, then 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 we have to see okay what works good for you what are what are your biomechanics um, what angles work best for you for what muscle in the end um, what is actually the thing that is the really working thing for you individual, because it, it all starts always in the general um, state. But from there on, you got to individualize all the time to really get out the best um, for the individual person. And um, this is actually the stuff wh wh what, I, what I really love to do and where it really gets um, interesting. But this is also the stuff where you really have to dive into and um, really have to, to question yourself all the time. Is this actually the right thing for that person? Um, what, what could work better? What did work? How was the rate? How, how, how good did that person respond? I mean, when I look at you, Rado, um, you just blowed up muscular-wise. I mean, when, when I look at the last, last two years, you went from a skinny guy to... I would like to say a monster, but um, you, you don't even fit your pants and you have to buy all the other clothes new and you are in pretty much the same weight that you had before. Yeah, which is crazy. Like, it's so funny. It's so funny. This it's, is yeah. super interesting to see at that point. Yeah. I think like it's this thing that people talk about uh, being muscle maturity, you know, just... Uh, growing into it and uh, obviously this rate of gain that we talked about is different when you're at the beginning versus later on yeah. even though it's like this the thing you mentioned 400 grams a year can make a significant difference in how how you actually look yeah yeah absolutely and this is super interesting because um i see this so often with people they stay the same weight but they look completely different. And the, 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 the difference in weight is maybe half of a, of a, of a kg, like yeah. 500 grams or something. Yeah. What, what did change? The right approach to training changed. They nailed the details a little bit better. And this is something I love to go into details when the basics are done. And this is super duper interesting because I'm the one who's always like, nail the basics, nail the basics, nail the basics. This is all that you need. Because in most cases, that's the point. Because nailing the basis, basics is for most people the hardest part here. What we discussed in the beginning is the basics. Having the volume, intensity, and calories. Yeah, knowing the frequency and having certain rep ranges to nail the mechanical stress and the metabolic stress. And from there on, we go into everything that is a little bit more detailed. What is the exercise selection that you need? And this is the stuff that we do for the people because the details is the stuff where it gets really, really ugly for the people because this is not your job and you're not completely into this and you don't, you don't spend years to, to, to um, actually study this stuff. You know, that's, that's what we did in the end. This is why this is the profession that we have. Um, so 
And I, I love to have that work because it's always, I love to be in the lab for the, for the person, you know, but I also love to, to have these small little changes for people and having this big, big, big impact on their, on their performance, but also on, on their actual physique when it comes to that. I mean, most of the time you switch up the small stuff to have the big impact. When you have the basics, then we go into details. And we help usually the people to nail the basics first. Then we go in there because it's easy. It's common sense for you to have the basics on point. Then we go into the details and say, hey, okay, now you focus on that. Now we do that stuff. Now we do this. Um, and over years, then you develop a physique that is so massive and develop a strength that is so good that you actually look back and look at it and say, wow, I'm three years into this. It's amazing where I'm now. I never expected that um, when, when, I was, when I started, you know, because most of people really underestimate what they can do in about the next three years when, when it comes to, to physical development. Absolutely. So <laughs> I think we covered up a lot of this hypertrophy stuff. If you're interested in that topic, please let us know. I love to, to talk about that topic. And um, if you have like certain questions about it, shoot us the messages. Yeah, Shoot us the questions. Let us know in the comments. Um, what what you, you would like to uh, us to discuss when it comes to the hypertrophy, because we would like to talk about that topic in the next certain um, episodes that, that are coming now. Um, so we are going into a hypertrophy phase now with the Strength and Skills podcast. And um, we would like, love to, to have some, some input from you. What are your questions about that? Um, where do you struggle? What do you need from us so that we can help you with that? If you need some more help with that, yeah, really feel free to contact us on um, bar minus bell. Uh, coaching.de slash links and you just apply for, for a coaching call with us and then we can talk about it. How can we actually help you really into detail with that stuff? So um, if the podcast is not um, really helping you, then feel free to, to contact us personally. Uh, it's easy. Just go there, check, check the free call and we're going to see each other on a Zoom call and talk about it. Um, that's an easy one. Yeah. So we, we love to build the base here in, in the podcast to give you as many um, informations as possible um, so that you can really develop and get your knowledge here. But if you understand for yourself, okay, I don't have the time to study too, much, too deep into the topic, then feel free to contact us and we do the job for you, do the detail work and going to help you. For that, just go to bar-bellcoaching.de slash links there you go. Or contact us on Instagram. Um, the Strength and Skills podcast is usually also a way where you can contact us easily. Thank you, guys. Um, Rado, do you have any last words for, for this episode? Yeah. Go, go to the gym, pump yourself up, and enjoy the games. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, guys, and have a great workout. <laughs>